Hello, I am Glenn. And I am Jim, and welcome to the Backstage Show. Thank you for joining us again for yet another episode of the Backstage Show, and we're going to continue our conversation about the casting process from the director's perspective. We talked last time about planning for the auditions, and we're going to pick up that conversation with actually determining determining who you're going to pick. So basically, just pick the best person for the role. And a story. Done. All right. Next episode. <laughs> we can just knock these things out <laughs> wow. one after the we other. get a whole season <laughs> in like 10 minutes. So I guess the real question is, how do you pick the best person for the role and that can be a very challenging question well it can be because there's a lot of different factors that go into best yeah and it might i think the most important thing to consider is not necessarily the best person at each individual role but the best for the puzzles that we've been alluding to yeah we keep talking about the puzzle but basically when you're casting a show i think you're you're not attempting to select the best individual to fill a certain role. You're attempting to select the best cast for the show. Yep. And that has a lot of different pieces that have to be put together. You have to make sure that, you know, your talent level across the board is is sufficient to carry the show. You have to be sure that the leads are strong. You have to be sure that the characters that are paired together work together and whether yeah i mean whether that's chemistry for a romantic couple or whether it's just two people whose personalities are going to clash off stage that might not work for you on stage has that ever happened to you before (laughs) has that ever not happened to me (laughs) there are certain shows that have worked better than others and i mean i you know you make mistakes and you try to learn from them and sometimes you do sometimes you don't i had let's just come right out with it i had a show that After that show went up and was finished, I said, I'm never going to direct again. I went back on that in probably less than a year. (laughs) But my my circumstance with that, I mean, uh, my experience rather with that, is that this was a four-person show, and I cast who I thought fit best in the roles and who I thought would work well together. And then it felt to me as if one of the actors kind of gave up and just phoned it in and just decided the show was kind of beneath him. Mm. And when that happens, yeah, the other actors did their best to to pick up his slack. But when you've only got four actors, that's 25% of your show that's yeah. kind of falling apart. Right. And, you know, the balance of the the contributions of the, the individual roles that could make it much more than 25%. Absolutely. I mean, because I don't think there's any actor that stands in a silo. You don't have any show that I'm aware of where an actor has a role that does not affect at least one other role. Absolutely. Otherwise, you just have a bunch of individual monologues. or Yeah, which, I mean, I guess something like the vagina monologues comes to mind is probably, that's fine. That, that is a circumstance that occurs. But generally speaking... That's more the exception than the rule. Yeah, that's something where you can cast in a silo. But as a general rule, I, I, I think overall you have to... Every role affects some other role, and it all is one big puzzle fitting together. And that's how you have to cast it. You have to cast your cast, not your roles. Yeah, and... And this isn't always an easy thing, but finding a cast that's going to work well together, who's going to help support one another. Yeah, and that's a difficult thing to even know ahead of time. Yeah, because especially if it's people you haven't worked with before, or, you know, sometimes that doesn't even matter. Sometimes sometimes you might have people who have worked together on a previous production. You cast them in this production, and for whatever reason, they might have a falling out, and 
you have no way to predict or plan that. Yeah. And I mean, also, you're generally not going to carry over that whole cast. So you might be like, oh, that cast worked really well together. I've been involved with that. I was involved with that show on some level. And then you move on to this next show and you carry over, you know, a few of the actors from that show. And you realize that, well, these people didn't really gel and it didn't matter in the last show because they didn't really have any scenes together. Mm. But you're thinking of that cast as a whole work together. So yeah, casting some people from that cast should work for yours, but not necessarily the case. It's a different puzzle. Yeah. Or, you know, things change over time. Yeah. Sometimes whatever chemistry two or more people had in one production, for whatever reason, things might change with them on a personal level. And your puzzle pieces change shape. Exactly. Yes. So hopefully at this point, you've learned enough from the audition process to, to get a sense of who's going to give you what you think you're looking for, who's mm-hmm. going to mesh well together. Maybe you've felt like this is how I felt where I was indecisive about certain things. And that was what kind of maybe pushed me in the direction of wanting to have a callback so I could see a little bit more because right. I couldn't really make up my mind about something. That's my, maybe not necessarily the best reason. Sometimes maybe you just have to make a decision about yeah. something. Yeah, I, I think I tend to lock into things pretty quickly as a director, sometimes too quickly. And, and that's come back to bite me in the end. So... It's it's a it's a balance between using your gut instinct and doing your research and making sure you're casting the right people. Mm-hmm. And I mean that that can factor in if you're dealing with people that you don't know. Absolutely. Um, because you're inevitably going to end up casting some people who are new to the theater or at the very least new to you. Mm-hmm. And that's when you might want to do a little research ahead of time. Yeah, I uh, I've done that. I. Um... When I was considering somebody for a role that I had never worked with before, I happened to find out that this person worked on another production at a theater I was familiar with, working mm-hmm. for a director that I knew. So I reached out to that director and I said, hey, I'm considering this person for a role. What was your experience working with them in your show? Right. And that kind of helped me get a better feel for, you know, whether it was a good idea to cast the person or not. So if you've ever had an experience as a director where you found a certain actor was difficult to work with for one reason or another and another director contacted you about them would you just i mean would you just try to word it well and and not say something that like oh god this guy is horrible i mean or would you just lie and say yeah he was okay oh okay if you're saying if somebody were asked me whether yeah. they should work with a certain person yeah i think i'd be honest yeah i mean i think that's the best policy yeah. really no, I mean, I would certainly appreciate somebody being honest with me if they had a particular problem mm-hmm. working with somebody because I'd want to know what I'm getting into. Now, here, here's another question, and, and this is something that, that can happen as a director. Have you ever not gotten what you needed at an audition? Yes. And what did you do in that circumstance? Well, this was, I think, when I directed Red Herring, which was my second show I ever directed. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, there just weren't, wasn't really anybody I could see, like, for leading men. Mm-hmm. types of you know actors who would suit that really well and be a you know romantic love interest et cetera, et cetera. so i think in that case i just thought of people that i knew of that i had worked with before that i could potentially see working out for that role i don't recall and getting a call for that reaching out <laughs> uh <laughs> oh shoot <laughs> that's what i ended up having to do yeah I actually had one situation, the first show I directed, I cast somebody for a lead role and then they had to drop out right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that can happen. Now, did you go back to the auditions to pull somebody that maybe you didn't, that didn't quite make the cut or did you go outside of that? I went outside because yeah. I, I don't think there was anybody necessarily left over who I 
you know, maybe had already cast it or whatever. And See, I end up going to somebody else who had not auditioned in that case. Yeah. As a director, I have had, it would to not do be that. my preference. It, you know, if exactly. there had been, if I had had a second choice from auditions who was still available, then yeah, I would think I'd reach out to them. Yeah. Unfortunately, as a director, I think that's happened to me on a few occasions where I've had to go outside of the auditions. And I really, I hate to do that, but there are just, there's a lot of times where, you know, you've cast all the other parts of a puzzle and either somebody dropped out or turned down a role or something like that. Mm -hmm. And you can't fit the puzzle together without going to other people. And and it's a horrible thing to have to do as a director, but you have to do what's best for the show. Well, yeah. uh, Just because somebody auditioned, you know, and you have a role open, it's, it doesn't mean they're going to get that. it's not required that you have to use them. I think, I think the general theater policy is that you have to have, usually have to have some sort of open auditions. Mm -hmm. If after that, you don't find what you're looking for, then you can do whatever you need to recruiting wise or what have you. Yeah. And I think you and I, and I'd like to think any director, their first choice is going to be to go for somebody who is interested in the show ahead of time, cared enough to come to auditions. Sure. But I, I mean, it's a hard thing to do, but, as a director, just certain people aren't going to work in certain roles, and you, and you have to accept that as a director, and you really have to accept that as an actor. It's just harder as an actor, I yeah. think. It's difficult, at least for me as a director, because I feel like if somebody's coming to auditions, they, they want to be involved, and I really want to use mm-hmm. them if I can. Yeah, I agree. I don't like turning people down. No, it stinks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you think it's bad as an actor? It's bad as a director, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and these could be very talented people. Um, absolutely just not fitting the particular role right so yeah i think i've come to learn that going back to background checking i think i've Mm -hmm. come to learn that that is very important for people that you have not worked with before if it's somebody that you have worked with before have a lot of experience with you know that they're dependable yeah you know what to expect out of them you know that they can give you a good performance that they'll work at it and give you what you need then great it that's that's a no-brainer but if it's somebody that you've never worked with before Obviously, if you can ask somebody what their experience is like, that's great. Mm-hmm. If you can't, that you know, then you maybe have to make a judgment call. What what's your level yeah. of risk? Yep, yeah, and, and that's going to depend on the size of the role too. You might be more likely to give uh, a new person a chance at a smaller role than you would at a lead role if it's going to yeah, carry the show. Yeah, uh, that that's definitely a consideration if it's you know a walk on or a secondary kind of a thing. Yeah, and sure, I think it's uh, less risk of that. And you know, if for some reason something didn't work out with that particular individual, and you had to get somebody to step in for them, it's not the end of the world necessarily. Right. But I had an experience uh, where you know I did cast somebody in a major role that I had not worked with mm-hmm. and it didn't go so well because of, in this case, the, this person had some personal issues that yeah. ultimately got in the way of them being able to perform and show up for rehearsals and things that like that. can be that. an issue if and, they don't show up for rehearsals. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's kind of a, it's kind of a shame. And it's kind of a sad story. And I don't want to get too much in the details of it, but I, it, it put me in a very difficult situation because it was a matter of, you know, when do you decide to cut this person loose and right. come up with a backup plan? I think it's which a very, I ultimately had to do like a month before we opened in yeah. that case. I think it's a very difficult thing to do as a director of community theater to look at somebody that's not giving you what you need and can't give you what you need to essentially fire them yeah. because nobody's getting paid here. We're all doing this because we love to do it. And you want to give people the opportunity to do what they love, but you also have to think of the show overall and you've got to cut somebody loose if they're not, you know, participating, if they're not 
able to come to auditions if they're not able to give you what you need. I mean, we can get into that a little bit more in another episode because that doesn't really have to do with casting. No, but, but I mean, these yeah. are things that you got to Yeah, that something about like this can happen when you cast. So you might want to do that background check as best you can. And But even if you do it, you, it might not work out for you. You no, have to you, have that in mind. No, I mean, it could, com- com- yeah, it could come completely out of the blue. Like yep. I said, I had, you know, casting a guy in lead. This was the show The Senator Wore Pantyhose. I casted... Mm-hmm guy who was the senator the title character and you know i thought he'd be really good for the role unfortunately he took another job mm-hmm. and he wasn't gonna have time to do the show so he had yeah. to drop out it happened very early on but it was out of my control yeah I, i've had that happen as well <laughs> where you cast somebody and they're doing well and they're like you know what i am actually not able to do this now i something else happened i mean i think that's something that happens in community theater which generally doesn't happen in professional uh, circles, but sure, yeah, it's not yeah. uncommon because people take other jobs. They have to move, or you know, who there's there's just an unlimited number of things that could happen that could pull somebody away. Sure. So we mentioned a little bit that we're going to talk about this in this episode, as far as determining your casting decisions, doing it solo essentially versus yes. soliciting inputs from others. Yeah, yeah. So here's here's my take on it as a, as a director. I I, I think. 90% of the stuff, I, I just make my own decisions. I, I, I think that might be, uh, I'm a little bit of a control freak, so I think I like to have that. But the more I've done, the more I'm like, I, I really like to have at least one sounding board that's able to come to all auditions so I can be like, yeah, I'm thinking about this person, but this person could also think, you know, work well in this role. What do you think? I think it's important to have a sounding board, if, yeah. if at all possible. Yeah. Um, in most of the shows that I've worked on, I've had an assistant director Frequently, producer has also been involved uh, at the auditions, and mm-hmm. um, so my most recent experience is essentially we had a powwow with the group of us who saw everybody audition and kind of worked it out. Do you have these discussions like at times during auditions, or do you always wait till after? Generally, after. What I like to do as a director is I like to you know get a lot of readings out of the way and then like take a bit of a break. Mm. And then have a little discussion and go, what do you think about this person? And then that will determine who I want to read and what role for like the last the remainder. third of the audition. Yeah, something. that's a good idea. Yeah, that's worked well for me. Okay. I'll make a note of it. <laughs> <laughs> for the record, he's not writing anything down. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make a note of it in my head. Yeah, mental note. Yeah. <laughs> mental note. Yeah, but that's worked well for me. I, I do, like I said, I'm a bit of a control freak, so I like yeah. making those decisions. But I think anybody that's going to serve as a sounding board just understands that you might make a recommendation, but it's the director's decision overall, unless you've got a casting director, I suppose. Yeah, well, I think I, I've i probably been a little bit guilty of maybe deferring a little bit more sometimes mm-hmm. if I was not entirely sure myself. I, I, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I, I, I think they do have casting directors in Hollywood and that kind right. of thing, so it's not even the director that's making the decision on the casting at all. True, true. Um, it does happen. and I, I feel that... I have a pretty good feel for casting and most of the time it's worked out pretty well for mm-hmm. me. And I think that's why I tend to make my decisions quicker and easier and more confidently. But that doesn't mean that people getting additional input are doing it wrong or are in any, in any way. It's just a different way of doing things. That's yeah. why I was kind of just asking out of curiosity how you do it. Because I know there are some acts, excuse me, some directors who you know, mostly defer that decision to somebody else. They they have the final say in it, but they work with, you know, a, an assistant director or a producer or a dramaturg or whatever that they trust for these decisions yeah. and basically have them say, here's who I think you should cast. And then they either just say, yeah, you're nay. You know, there's a lot of different ways of doing it. Yeah, it's just I, what you're comfortable with. I don't think I've ever entirely cast in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't think I have either. Yeah. I, I just like, I like input. I like to have somebody that I can talk to so I don't have to think it all out in my head. Right. But I think I generally make most of the decisions myself. Mm-hmm. The other advantage I've had as far as getting that kind of group input for casting is sometimes people have been able to kind of give me insight into people that I haven't really worked with. Yeah, that that's definitely helpful. And I'll, and I'll call on outside people for that sometimes as well. Yeah, I've done that too. Yeah. But it's handy if, you know, somebody already involved in the production has worked with some of the people you're considering before and yeah. kind of maybe give you a little bit more of a inside scoop on what it was like with their prior experience was with that person. So if you had a, a circumstance where there's somebody that's auditioning that you're not familiar with and you think they might be good for a role, but you want to get more information, and the only one you know who has more information is somebody else who auditioned for your show, would oh, you go to another course. actor to get information? Well, if I were cast, if I were considering casting the other actor, then I might be more likely to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's tough because it if it's a situation where it's a you know potential competition. competition yeah. I don't. I don't think you could. I don't go think to them you're gonna that. get a. I think objective. if they're auditioning for different roles, maybe you could. Well, yeah, that that could very well be if you're you know no potential overlap whatsoever in what you'd consider them for. Mm-hmm. That would probably be fine. Yeah. But yeah, if they're up against the same role, forget it. I don't think that yeah. would give you an objective answer. I don't answer. think they could do it. I'm biased. No. Here's another question. Here's a thought. Maybe this was something that we should have talked about in the uh, actor viewpoint. But have you had circumstances as a director where you have had people audition like as a team, like a husband, wife that are like, you can cast both of us or neither one of us. We're not going to do the show if you cast me and not her. No, I've never run into that. What would be your thought if you did run into that? Because I did that personally as an actor. When I first married my wife, we both auditioned for a show and we went, you know, look, we we want to be together. We want to spend our time together. And this is a big commitment. And mm-hmm. we really don't want to do this show unless we're both in it. Hmm. I'm just wondering what your viewpoint... I, I haven't really... Yeah. I haven't encountered it as a director either. And I'm just kind of wondering what you your thought would be on that. Well, in a way, maybe that actually makes decisions easier. Because if you didn't like one of the two people, then throw that out entirely. Yeah. I, I just kind of wonder, like, it, I'm not if, sure. What if like one of them was really outstanding and you really wanted one, but the other one you're like, eh, they're not really that good. It's like, yeah. it, it, I, I think that just complicates the puzzle. I yeah, guess. I, I, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. It's, it's kind of more of a trade off in that way. It, it, that's a, that's a good one. I, <laughs> yeah, it's I, hard I think to, it's, a, it, it's a case by case basis, I think. Yeah. I, I think I, mean, I can true. understand the thought behind that, that mm-hmm. yeah, there's a huge time commitment for rehearsing a show and a couple may want to, to be involved with it together so yep. they can still spend the time together exactly. and they have it in common as a common interest. That That's fine. I have no problem with that. You ultimately, I guess, have to figure out what's best for the show. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess... I'm just kind of trying to decide on my own even how I would feel about that as a director. I mean, I guess it's good. It's better to know that up front rather than, say, offer the role to one of them and go, did you cast the other one? No. Well, then I'm not accepting it. Like, Yeah. It, it would make it easier in that sense. But at the same time, it does complicate that puzzle. I, I was lucky enough that we did both get cast in the right. show and it was a great time. But I, I just I never really thought about it from a director's standpoint. It's probably something as an actor that you would probably want to make the director aware of at the audition. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it makes things easier, even if it does make them more difficult, if that makes any sense. Well, the closest experience I can say I have had to this is, you know, having a significant other audition for a show that I was directing. Yeah, we, we touched on that briefly. Well, having had a couple experiences with that and in one case I did not cast mm-hmm. my significant other in the other case I did 
ultimately, yeah, I mean, sure, there was probably consideration of, you know, getting to spend time together working on the same right. show together, which ended up not being an issue anyway, because in the case of Ladder, where I did not cast, she assistant directed, so she was still involved. Go. But, you know, th- that was, again, a situation where I thought I still had to do what I thought was best for the show. Yeah, I mean, I, I think as a director, that's generally what either one of us is going to think. I don't know that every director does feel that way. Perhaps I, not. I, I think your goal should be the best show possible in the end. And sometimes that makes decisions very hard to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know the last show I directed, I had two roles, uh, two large roles that I ended up going outside the auditions for. Mm-hmm. I think I discussed this before where I, I did offer those roles, but that was the, the situation where there was a kiss and they were not comfortable with that. And I tried to figure out a way to work around it, but I, I didn't feel as a director that that would work for the show. So I ended up going outside and going, who do I know? Who do I, who, who do the people I know know? Who are the people in your neighborhood? Yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, and I ended up getting two people who did a fantastic job with the show. So it worked out for me, but it's a challenge. I mean, you don't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Stop, (laughs) stop, stop on that line. Another angle I think to consider is community theater, I think at times can get a reputation as being very insular, like individual groups. So to try to counteract that, there can be a push to get fresh faces involved. Mm -hmm. You know, actors are going to be turned off going back to a certain theater to audition if they know that the same people end up getting cast in all the shows. Yeah. So as a consideration as a director for casting, you know, all the things being equal potentially are more or less equal. If there's an opportunity, sometimes you may be encouraged if there's an opportunity to to get a fresh face somehow involved. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as it's not going to be a major problem for the show to do so, that you're not hobbling the show just to make it work, I think that can be a factor. Yeah. I mean, I, I think actually most shows that I've directed... I have had at least one role where I cast somebody that I that I did not know who and or who had not worked at the theater. Right. I I can't statistically say if I've done that in every case, but I think generally speaking, I have on at least several occasions cast somebody who is new to a, to a theater. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes that works out. Sometimes it doesn't. But most of the time, I think as directors, we're not casting a person where it's going to hobble the show if they don't do well. Right, yeah. Um, it's it a situation a where role. lower risk. Yeah. Taking a lower risk. Uh, yeah, and that situation. could that could be an actor who's just like had a lot of experience and but hasn't done something at that theater. You might be more inclined to give them a larger role, but if it's somebody who's like brand new to theater, you might yeah. give them a smaller role. Right. You know, and just let them get that foot in the door. I mean, it's great if yeah. you can give somebody that opportunity. Perfect example. The last show I directed, Hannah of the Baskervilles, we had somebody come in who was a high school student. Mm-hmm. I guess just happened to find out about the auditions had never, I don't think had ever been to the theater, that theater before came in. And, you know, I, I think I got a message ahead of time, um, you know, inquiring, you know, is it a problem being underage to work on the show? And actually <laughs> that had uh, some implications related to obtaining clearances and background checks. Yep. Yeah. You do have to the do cast that. And the crew, as far as their, certain processes with that if you're right. if you're gonna have people who are under 18 in the show but that's not really what necessarily where i was going with that where i was going with it is that you know it couldn't hurt to have her come in and see what she can do sure we can worry about the background check situation if we think it's warranted if and she came in she did a great job mm-hmm. we we all really liked her and it didn't matter that she was new to the theater we just thought she really handled it well 
Yeah, I mean, you just you don't know what's out there. You, you don't know what to expect going into an audition. You may have something in mind one way, and it somebody surprises you. But in that case, you know, it wasn't a lead role. Mm-hmm. It was more of a supporting role. Again, there the risk of doing something like that was lower. Yeah. Well, I had uh, here's an example when I directed Frankenstein. I had worked with somebody. There are a few shows that I directed. Dracula's one. Frankenstein's another. Where. I had something in mind going, okay, I can pull off this show, but with Dracula, it was like, only if I get the right person to play Dracula. Mm -hmm. With Frankenstein, it was only if I can get the right person to play the creature. So I didn't step into these shows until I knew somebody that could do that. Dracula, I happened to get lucky in that the person I had in mind did audition and did end up with the role of Dracula. Frankenstein, I had somebody in mind who would be great for the creature, but he was not able to audition. So I'm like, well, where am I going to get another guy? I mean, this is a six foot four imposing looking guy that just looked like, you know, he might have been cobbled together from corpses. I with, don't know. With or I, without a limp. Yeah. <laughs> uh, regardless. So, and I'm going, what are the odds of me getting somebody that somebody else that can do this? And somebody walked in who also happened to be six foot four and a big lumbering, intimidating looking guy that, you know, right prosthetic makeup. And we got, a, we got ourselves a great creature. And, yep. but. I did not know him beforehand, never met him. He had had some experience, but he had been like on the sidelines for years and hadn't done a show in a really long time, but wanted to get back involved. And I was very grateful that he was there and stepped in and he did a fantastic job. So you have one thing in mind, but somebody throws you a curveball and you might just hit it out of the park. Yeah, it goes back again to being flexible. Yeah, I think that was a bad metaphor, but we'll let it go. <laughs> All right, then. I'll um, let that one slide. All right, so, so here's the question. Yeah. Now you've made your decisions and you've got to notify people. (laughs) Me personally, I kind of hate that part, mainly because I don't like having to reject people. I don't like having to turn them down and I don't like making phone calls. I just don't like phones. So (laughs) personally, what I do is I But you can't put down your phone. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but I'm not actually making calls on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's funny how, you know, the concept of phone yeah, and what its yeah. actual function is, is mutated. <laughs> Indeed. But yeah, so what I usually do is I pawn off on uh, usually my producer. I'll let her make the calls and, and very often I'll make them the night of the second audition or I'll have her make them start to offer the roles, uh, wait till those answers come in. And then what I will do is I will uh, email uh, people yeah. who are, who that we can't use. Yeah, and and I, I, I make a point. I have been involved with some shows where they just send out a, a blanket email, like, you know, boilerplate, sorry, we couldn't use you, blah, 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 blah. And it's the same for every single person. Personally, when I direct, I send out individual emails to every person that I'm not able to use and, and try to explain as best I can that, you know, how they don't fit into the puzzle and we really appreciate them coming out and, and so forth. That's awfully nice of you. I've never done that. I, I, I try <laughs> I try to be nice. <laughs> I've had a variety of experiences as far as rejection notifications, but yeah. Yeah, I think I've found as far as, you know, reaching out to offering roles that I guess the preference is to call people. I get that. I always request everybody's phone and email address mm. where possible. I have I have offered roles via email though. I have done that. No, I used to I used to do that originally because it was a little bit more convenient to just shoot emails off mm-hmm. at work without distracting other people. Yeah. Lately, I've made more of a point to call them, mm-hmm. like just take a lunch, part of a lunch period and, you know, call everybody. But here's the thing. I I, I figure out the strategy of the order in which I'm going to notify people yeah, because if somebody to. turns something down, then, okay, what's my next step in the process? Who would I go to next? Mm-hmm. So you, might, you might go, your backup might be getting offered a different role. Exactly. Yep. So I figure out the 
I determine ahead of time the sequence in which I need to contact people to get their yay or nay. Yeah. I try to do that, but I feel like if I waited to get an answer from one person, it might, you know, if it's this long chain where, well, if this person doesn't do this, then I need to move him here and then move them Mm -hmm. there. And it might be like you can only offer one role at a time and that could take a week to get get all the answers. I haven't run into it doing it that way Mm -hmm. or just uh, just by happenstance perhaps, but... I guess my general thought is as long as it's a role, if you're moving them, I, I, I was going to say if you were moving them up, but I guess that's kind of a matter of perspective. But if you're offering them a larger role, if you, if you would can, okay, let me see if I can, <laughs> let me see if I can say this in a way that will actually make sense. If you're offering somebody a large role and you're concerned they're turning that down and you would then offer that to somebody that you were going to offer a smaller role, I think it's okay to offer the smaller role and then go, hey, this per, you know, we need to move you up. We need to move you to this other role if you're interested. I mean, hmm. in some ways it might be, well, why didn't you offer me that in the first place? In other circumstances, it might be, well, okay, that's great. I'll tell you, yeah, I'll take the larger role. And then you can fill the smaller ones. It's tricky, but that, that's yeah. been my general attitude. I probably usually... I'd say I probably usually start with the, as far as the contingencies go, I would start with the leads and work my way down probably. I mean, I think that's usually how we offer, but if we don't get answers right away, I think we do go to the others. Sometimes there are cases where whoever I might have in mind for a secondary role, there's no interdependencies with anybody else. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter when I reach out to them necessarily. Right. And it also might not be something where, oh, I could move them to this other role. Yeah, right. It's more where the interdependencies come in and yeah. You want to know if, okay, if I have my first choice locked in for this role, then I proceed in this path, choose your own adventure kind of a thing. Yeah. So we're pretty much the same in that we email those we're not casting and call those we are casting. That's generally what I have done, although I have, okay, there's a little bit of controversy with this, how I've approached this apparently. So mm-hmm. I'm still learning as I go, I guess. I've generally done kind of a group email to the people yeah. that I have not cast. I think that's common. Okay. But here's where the maybe the controversy kicks in. Yeah. This is... It's been called to my attention. I didn't think it was a problem, but perhaps others have seen it this way. What I have done is in that group email, I'll say, thank you all for auditioning. Unfortunately, we could not use everybody. We had a lot of talented people come out, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then I have, if the cast has all been, if all the roles have been cast, I had listed it Mm -hmm. in that message. And the reason I did that was because I figured as an actor, if I didn't get cast, I'm still curious to know who did. Sure, It was brought to my attention, I guess, that that, you know, maybe it's a matter of you're throwing it in their face or you're rubbing mm-hmm. salt in a wound. I don't know uh, if they really want to know who was cast and they could check it out on the website later. But yeah. maybe that's not the best thing to do. I mean, I guess knowing you, I know that wouldn't be your intention, but I guess I could see how somebody might feel that way. Yeah, it, it wasn't my intention to say, ha ha, we didn't pick yeah. you. Here's who we did pick. Yeah. They were better Here's than you. Here's who's better than you. Yeah. <laughs> But as we've said, it doesn't come down to who's better. It comes down to who fits the puzzle better. Right. So I, I, I was looking at it from the perspective of the actor thinking, well, if I'm not picked, then I would want to know yeah. who was. I, I agree, but that was I guess the only not reason I did it. But yeah. maybe maybe not everybody saw yeah. it that way. So, you know, other than those options, I, I've I've had many different ways. I've had phone calls where I, you know, phone calls to let me know that I haven't been cast, which to me feels a little weird going, oh, I just want to call to let you know that we can't use you. I'm like, well, I don't need a phone call then. Yeah, that, that um, usually, I would think that to be yeah. weird as an actor. Yeah, and, and uncomfortable as a director. If you're rejecting too. me, then you yeah, don't then you necessarily don't need to have to tell me, me to my yeah. face. But then I've had the other extreme where it's just like, they just never contact me. Yeah. To I, me, that bothers me. I had that for one audition I went to where I didn't hear anything for 
like a good week or two. And then mm-hmm. I got a postcard in the mail. A postcard? That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I've never gotten notified by snail I got a postcard in the mail. Yeah. Interesting. This is many, many years ago. Yeah. So I think that pretty much covers the whole process of auditions and casting from our Yeah, then it's just a matter of, you know, making the cast announcement. Yeah. Once I have reached out to everybody and accepted all the roles, they've or they've accepted all the roles, then I will put together a group email with the entire cast to give them the cast list, tell mm-hmm. them who else is cast. Congratulations, y'all get in or read throughs whenever it's going to be. You right. get your script. Whenever. I did want to tell another story about, okay. and this is a case where, you know, finding out that you learn later that maybe somebody wasn't the best to work with. I had to one time when I did make a call to offer a role to somebody, I think I had to spend about 20 minutes on the phone with them to convince them to take the role. Wow. And did that work out? Uh, well, <laughs> they accepted the role. But yeah. There were some issues later on. Where yeah, I would feel like if I've got to convince somebody to take a role, then I probably wouldn't want them to take it. <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose in the middle of the conversation, that might have been awkward to say, well, hey, if you're not interested, then click. I I probably would have said, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm just a little less considerate than others, <laughs> but I would have been like, look, are you, are you interested in taking this or not? Well, I think playing devil's advocate at the time, uh-huh. knowing what I learned later is a different story, but playing devil's advocate at the time, the actor and the actor was kind of, I think, trying to feel me out as to whether they think they could work with me as a director. That's possible. So that's where they kind of wanted to understand a little bit better about what I had in mind for the show. Uh-huh. And needed a little bit of convincing. Well, that might have been like that last show that I directed where they didn't realize what the romantic interaction was going to be between these two characters. And, and they were concerned about that. And yeah, that's when I learned what their limits were and I had to decide on my own as a director whether or not I could work within those limits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a tricky situation from both the actor and the director standpoint. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) I've been through it quite a few times on both ends. It's, uh, it can be awkward. It can be fun. It can be, and it can also be a nightmarish, awkward. (laughs) Yeah. But But I try to to stress the fun. To sum it up though, we've mentioned this kind of in passing on previous shows worked on, you know, if you, if you uh, get the cast right up front, 90% of directing is getting yeah. the right cast. Yeah, Casting is a definitely a huge part of it. And if you have all the, the right cast in place up front, then it kind of makes the rest of it go a lot easier. Yeah, it does, yeah. So it is it is extremely important yep. and can kind of ma- end up making or breaking things down the road. Yeah. So I think that wraps things up. Uh, th- that is all we have to say on auditions and casting. Uh, we'll start on a new topic next week. To be uh, determined. If- to be determined? Did we did we determine it? I don't know. You've got the paperwork over there. What do you got? I don't have all of it. Oh, okay. Uh, oh wait, hang on. No, that's what he did. Oh, becoming a director, possibly. Okay. Uh, so live we've, theater. We've got a few things in mind. If you've got other thoughts, I mean, we'll probably already be on to the next one before you can contact us. But if you've got ideas for the future, please let us know. You can give us an email at uh, podcast at backstage uh, You can see our website, which is just backstage We are available on Facebook but I don't recall where you'd find us. The Backstage Show podcast, maybe? I don't know. Look up the Backstage Show on Facebook. You can probably find us. It's also on iTunes. Yeah, we're on iTunes. We're on Google Play. You can find us on Stitcher Radio. But we don't twit. We do not. I think we have a Twitter account, but I think it's entirely inactive, so don't look for it. (laughs) Okay, I don't twit. Meantime, meantime, uh, I'm Glenn, and he's a twit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and see you next time. Windy. What?
I didn't, I didn't Are you recording? I am oh. now, but I didn't start recording until you said windy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Unique New York. Unique New York. Rubber baby bubby bubby bubby. Easy for you to say. Apparently not. <laughs> rubber baby buggy bumpers. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. You can't see me dancing right now. No. Well, I can. I'm sorry. So am I. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. All right. Let's just get on with it.